Talking with Queenie was truly inspiring and deeply impacted me. She talks about the challenges of being one of two black students in med school, coming from Cameroon to find asylum in the U.S., overcoming traditional gender roles, dealing with ADHD and dyslexia, and adapting to the American education system on her road to becoming a doctor. Honestly, if I were to put myself in her shoes, I don't know if I could have overcome the obstacles she has had to face as a black female immigrant doctor. Please enjoy this episode. Welcome to the show, Queenie. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. Thanks. So the first question we always ask is, what are you creating in the world? What am I creating in the world? I would like to think that I'm creating kindness and awareness. To extend a little more, I'm hoping to create a culture of accepting people for who they are in that regard helping people to be kind to each other because if you accept someone for who they are you could most likely be better at treating them and then awareness of all that that it's okay to be yourself that's that's what i would hope i'm creating what does that look like so i'm a medical student about to graduate and for me it's whoever I come in contact with. I don't have to have a cape or a white coat in my situation to be kind to a person, to listen to their story, to share what I have with them. I believe that every patient that comes to the clinic is a person outside of medicine and seeing that, seeing the human in them and not the disease in them and accepting them for whatever they are carrying and be like, this is who you are and we're going to help you with all of that included. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Totally. And I imagine you're in a pretty stressful environment. Oh, yeah. How does that work when you're feeling stressed or... Are you able to keep that in your mind? Okay, so I would I would um, answer your question by starting with uh, telling you a little story. So recently, oh, we love stories. <laughs> so uh, recently, because this is like uh, one of our last days of classes. I mean, in two weeks we get to find out what we're gonna do for the rest of our life. So it's match day when we get to find out what re- uh, residency program we're going into, and a lot of our teachers are telling us to be able to realize that we have gone through a lot in four years than your regular neighbor or lay people would have gone through, meaning we've come across death, we've come across chronic illness, we've come across expectations that before medical school were unrealistic. So being in a stressful situation for me has ended up being a blessing. I was telling uh, Kamga, I said, now I'm actually really grateful that I took an extra year in medical school and didn't finish at four years. I finished at five because that extra one year of pain and dealing with failure, dealing with having to recalibrate life and find my calling and be like, why am I doing this? It's too stressful. It helps me to identify someone else in pain. So the stress for me is a tool. I don't think I will become a good person if I don't know how to sympathize with someone else's pain and stress. So I use that at all times to be able to help it guide me in saying, I can only imagine what you're going through. I can, like that one thing I had to learn was saying, I understand or I know. I, you can never know. Maybe you've gone through the same kind of trauma, but no two people experience it the same way. And maybe you are able to handle it doesn't mean someone else can handle it. The least I could do is, I can imagine that is painful, but no, you have a friend in me, you have a doctor in me, you have somebody that even if I don't have a pill to fix it, I am here to listen. So. Wow, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that's really beautiful. Uh, it sounds like you're taking your, your suffering, your moments of pain in med school and helping that helping you identify yourself with the patient a little, but also have enough humility to know 
that you don't identify with the patient. You can just access a part of yourself that has gone through pain. Yes, yes. Being an African woman, only daughter, in the middle of medical school, trying to be you know, the first MD of my family, came with, just by itself, a lot of baggage. That you're walking through this campus and you could identify with maybe one other person in like your color let's just start with color like my graduating class right now it's just me and another black student it's two of us out of 180 of us that are going to be walking that stage in a few months that's crazy Um, right but you carry that and you hope that some black kid hispanic kid some kid somewhere that felt like they don't belong here would watch you when you do it and they could carry that and be like, she did it, so I can do it. Mm, like um, a role model. Right. I, I, I finally discovered my journey is not just for me. I mean, because there, like, there were many patients that would come to the clinic just because they saw me around and they knew I was in clinic that day. And they'll be like, um, I have a feeling you understand me a little better because you're black. Well, I don't think I understand all about them just because I'm black. But if that is what it takes for a patient to look could you and be like I want to come into the hospital and then yes maybe that one patient that could have stayed home and died because they didn't feel comfortable with the medical society maybe just that one patient that you save is enough for you to go into it and go through all the stress I guess wow that sounds like a lot of pressure too (laughs) (laughs) oh lord Um, it's a lot of laughing through the pain yeah you get to find your own coping mechanism I finally figured mine was humor everything for me was funny until I got home and then you have to deal with the reality of it but yes it's I think you need pressure to go through anything in life yeah there has to be something right there has to be something literally burning your butt for you to be able to run towards the other side and be okay running towards the other side yeah yeah what what field of medicine are you going into i'm planning on going into family medicine psychiatry Ooh. Fingers crossed, because there are not that many programs in the country. There's six programs in the country that offer that combined residency. And all six of them take two residents a year. So basically, there are 12, 12 spots. Accepted in the whole country? Yes. Did you apply to all of them? I applied to four out of the six. Mm. Mm-hmm. What drove you to psychiatry? My background, I was born and raised in Cameroon, uh, West Africa, moved here 12 years ago now. And I had a lot of opportunity to compare two cultures. So when I moved here, I was 17. And I'm guessing my brain as an adult, just based on how I was raised in just life circumstances, must have already kicked in by then. I had some time to really experience Cameroon and then to move in with now a well-experienced brain and be in this culture, I discovered that there was a lot of lacking when it comes to mental health. For example, absolutely. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's like, I I wish I could convince everybody, but it's uh, my family and people that I know really close to me, I can identify people that have gone through depression. And my culture is one of those that is very, you can do this, you're strong enough, you'll be okay. Mm. Like, I have gone through this. You could see women around, for example, like uh, domestic violence, you turn around and a, a woman that is going through it would tell you, it's fine, this is what people do. Or a child that has like some weird parenting style and you could be like, oh, my parents used to do that to me. And we don't take a minute to step back and say, the fact that somebody's complaining about it maybe means there's something wrong with this. Right. And then maybe they need some help dealing with this. And then maybe they are not even suited to deal with it by themselves. We think that psychiatric illnesses is just how you look at your life. But we have discovered scientifically that there are neurochemistry that is off. Some people might have higher chances of becoming depressed with a 
let's say, normal life situation that someone else would deal with. For example, postpartum depression. Mm. A bunch of women go through giving a, a birth to a baby, but some of them would get really depressed with the same kind of situation versus others. The biology are not the same. And so when I considered all of that, I discovered I wanted to help. I wanted to be somebody that could listen. I want a woman to, or a man or anybody to come to my clinic and be like, I am dealing with this and be taken with compassion, be taken with, I am here to listen, be taken with, it's not all your fault. Your upbringing has something to do with it. Your past relationships, your current health situation might be actually affecting how your brain deals with the way the sun comes into your body, which deals with the way you deal with your depression and all these other things. Accepting that it's a science and there's help out there for it. That's so important. Yep. I work with kids who have been through trauma and abuse. They have multiple psychiatrists and a lot of them are on pills. And when I have friends who argue like, well, you know, I don't know about pills, Mm -hmm. right? We should just be able to get the right wellness and psychological care. Right. And my response is, you have no idea what these kids have been through and what it has done to influence them. Right. Have you ever had anybody make that argument to you? I'm going to use myself as an example. I was diagnosed with ADHD in medical school. Oh, wow. Yes. Late into adulthood. (laughs) So, So I was one of those people that the school actually picked and was like, hmm, you should talk to somebody about how things are going for you. And I was like, what? They were like, well, the way you are might, like, just talk to our mental health department. And so, of course, this... Like they pointed it out to you. Right. This this kid is sitting there like, um, did you just say something is wrong with me? Like, you really think something's wrong with me? And just to take the opportunity and be like, it's free through the school. Let someone tell me that something's wrong with me. And sit there and go through a slew of tests. I had to go through like a cognitive test day. I don't know what they really call it. It was like eight hours of me sitting there with somebody testing me from like building testing. Yes. Like building blocks to reading out loud. And then, oh yeah. And then we discovered that I have a reading dyslexia. So growing up as a child, my mom would tell me that I was a difficult child. Mm. She would tell me that I was not a typical girl. She would tell me that I would like staying still was like it was a chore for her uh, to sit there and make me stay still to eat my food do my homework anything was just hard for her to get me to do and growing up now trying to figure out how to study trying to figure out how to do things i discovered i cannot sit still to do anything for a long period of time i am when i'm studying i have like 10 tabs open there's youtube to go with it there's writing (laughs) there's the board i it's weird but I knew how I studied, I knew how I did things, but I was struggling while doing all of that because focusing was hard for me. And so for a teacher to see it and see the kind of mistakes I made during tests and thought maybe you need to be in a quiet room when you take your test. Maybe you get distracted by all the kids that are sighing. Medical exams are so hard you would hear your classmates sigh. Some of them would break into tears right in the middle of the test. of course, it distracts me a lot. And I'm now focusing I mean, on someone else's... I mean, that's very distracting. Right? You're focusing now on someone else's energy. And there's all these things that go with it. And when I got diagnosed, there was now the question of, do you take stimulants or not? I had to now be a patient and be like, it's pills. Do I take the pills or not? Like those kids that you're dealing with, do you take the pills or not? Right. There's now the stigma around stimulants. It makes you have more focus than your classmates. Is that really cheating on the test? And but will Do we, people are, try to argue that? On campus, whenever they had to start anybody on stimulants, they explained to us that people sell these medications. You could sell it to college students, even medical students. Yes. And they would stay up all night and study for tests. But for someone like me, the one thing, like she 
told me she gave it to me and it's like you're knowledgeable enough this was like my second year of medical school she's like you're knowledgeable enough you've learned about adhd go home do your research come back and tell me why i'm wrong and we will work on it and then when i came back i was like okay most likely you're right because i talked to my mom my mom was like, oh yeah when i got to the u.s i knew you had adhd and i was like mom you should have said something she's like no you've been fine i'm like i i'm not fine I know I struggle with a lot of things. And so when I got my prescription, the first thing I noticed, which is like magic to me, was I stopped having headaches. So apparently, really? yes, apparently it was so hard for me to focus that I would literally beat my brain to shut up and calm down so I could do anything else and it would hurt. What? Yes. <laughs> what? I, I had dealt with headaches that they thought were migraines for years just to take my first Adderall pill and it was a baby dose too and then the headaches were gone so I come back to my psychiatrist the next day and I'm, I'm like in tears I'm like I don't have any headaches and she's like well you never told me you had headaches I was like I just always had headaches it's like you just deal with it so much yeah, that you, you don't know it's a pathology it. anymore yeah. Yeah. yeah and I was like I don't have headaches anymore and I called my brother who was in pharmacy school almost about to graduate and I told him the whole story and he felt so bad he's like I am so sorry like we should have been able to help if we knew better like I have a thing by the time I get out of the house I, I literally have to remind myself key phone wallet badge I sing it to myself all the time or I'll forget it right. I will forget where I keep everything like the things have to be like placed in particular ways so I can remember them but to have an ability to help someone like that with a medicine mm-hmm. is I mean it's it's marvelous and I think the popular call the popular thought about psychiatric medicine is we just throw you a bucket of whatever right no. it's a cocktail of pills right take it and no. go on your way no I hope people understand if you're listening to this no we have tested the pills hopefully we would find the one that works for you well hopefully my psychiatrist gave me Adderall gave a dose that was not the dose we stopped at we went up we went down we found the perfect dose you don't see your doctor once and let them give you all these pills there's lots of follow up if it doesn't work for you there are many we switched them out when people say throwing pills at kids if that kid had cancer we would throw pills we would throw chemo we would throw radiation we would do surgery and right. it's yeah it's easily acceptable when it's so big and when in it's your a face physical yes yeah expression but when it's mental or emotional then it's like oh just handle it yourself figure it out yep so take us back <laughs> i want to hear about your family uh growing up in cameroon oh wow um yeah Actually, that's like the exciting part of me, I guess. So it's um, all exciting. <laughs> Don't discredit yourself here. <laughs> you just gave us some awesome stories of medicine. My uh, so I was born Quinter. I was my Queenie is actually a name a patient gave me, and it stuck. What's your name? Quinter. It's like winter with a Q. Quinter. Yes. And that's how it's pronounced. Yes. Cool. Um, um, the second of five. And I'm an only daughter. I was raised in Cameroon, Bamenda specifically, English-speaking part of Cameroon. But the interesting stories of my life rotate around me and my siblings. Mm. So being an only daughter, my mom is very traditional about gender roles. Very traditional. She's like, dress in your ball gown, do your makeup, do your hair, do your nails, and all these other things. Be in the kitchen cook for your dad and your brothers, clean the house, raise the kids. Very traditional in that sense. But my dad was opposite. My dad was, what do you really like? If you like it well enough, do it. And so because of the kind of culture that we had, my dad had a say more than my mom. So Mm. I did what I liked instead of following the typical gender roles. I think until I lived by myself, my mom didn't even believe that I could cook because I was never in the kitchen. (laughs) It was not my thing. My brothers are my biggest inspiration and support in life. Mm. Like I have a big brother. He's a pharmacist now, but 
I looked up to this guy so much. I mean, you know how you hand down things? I got hand-me-down suits and I would wear it. And I would wear the suits with the tie, all of it, because my brother gave it to me. He was very protective. I mean, he was really tiny too. Most of the times if anybody had to bully us, I am very sure I could beat that person up (laughs) instead of my brother. But he was very good at standing in front of it and being like, hey, you know, stop talking to my sister and all that. But it doesn't matter how protective he was, it cannot compare to my younger siblings. I mean, (laughs) Kamga sitting here and I have a baby brother that he's still always like, I don't know if that guy likes me or not. (laughs) Because they're so protective and so like, that's my sister. Yeah, Yeah. like that's my sister. You don't do anything like that. And they were very encouraging. When I was growing up, I always wanted to create things so we would get up in the house and I would say I want to use banana leaves to make a jacket I would send them out and they would go bring the leaves and they would tell me to my face I think this is a stupid idea but they would <laughs> still go get it and come back with it yeah oh, that's and, sweet yeah I mean my, my family wasn't very rich growing up we actually didn't have money at all so we had to raise pigs and chicken to be able to pay for tuition to school and so I stayed and went to school from home so on a daily like I think like American education system not the boarding school kind of system like you go to school every day and come back when my brother went to a boarding school so it was until like high school when my mom had moved to the US and then I moved to boarding school and I think that's around the time when life changed a lot for me I mean when your mom moved yes so my mom moved when I was 13 and my youngest brother at the time was like just two years old I remember reading this paper that I wrote years ago like a long time ago and I was reading it to Kamga I was basically it was around the whole image of how my mom left and so my mom left when I was 13 and she literally called me into a room she had gotten this opportunity to move to the US it was really good for our family I mean um, Cameroon is a poor country many people don't go to school so with that opportunity she calls me to her room and she's like hey I'm moving and I was like what does that mean she literally takes my brother's hand and it's like this is your kid i was 13 and oh my god yeah and that that's crazy yeah that literally meant and i was like what does this mean she was like if he cries you get to stop him from crying if he's sick how old was he he was two wow just a year and a half maybe two yeah and if he has to go to the hospital and somebody has to spend the night there you know you're spending the night in the hospital with him if he turns around he's missing me a lot you have to have memories of me pictures all these things it's your job you need to tell him that he's loved and he's cared for and of course being the gunner that I am perfectionist I took it to heart all the way (laughs) I mean, I would go to PTA meetings because my dad was really busy. PTA oh yeah, meetings. I did. As I would a thirteen-year-old. I would go to PTA. Oh my god! He started school when he was three, so kindergarten. Like we didn't go to school according to age. If you are smart enough to go to school, you go whatever age you are at. So, yeah. So he went to school when he was three. And when there was stuff that parents need to come for, I would show up and they would tell me about his attitude. They'll tell me about his homework. (laughs) All of that. Did you have to discipline your little brother? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes. Till this day, he has to call me for permission to do a bunch of things. We're 10 years apart. And he recently pierced his ears. And right. Mama Queenie didn't like that. He got into the house. He got into the car with me and was like, I pierced my ears. And I looked at it and I was like, huh, okay. And he's like, how do you feel about it? I'm like, I'm not your mom. And then come guys like mouthing things like, you know, she's pissed off. And I was. It's like, just, you don't pierce your ears. You're like almost 20. What are you doing with your life? But... I took it very I seriously. That. I, I yeah. worked so hard and he was my kid. He was. I had fights with my dad because of him. My brother said all the time, like, you don't need to impress anybody in our house but my sister. Girls would come in and just from the look of my face, they would have to judge how that relationship is going to go. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know why I shots. have that much power, yeah. <laughs> but I do. It was one of the 
really important lessons that I learned really early was you get to set an example for somebody to follow. I couldn't tell my brother to do his homework if I didn't do mine. Mm. I couldn't tell him to not get a tattoo if I had tattoos. He doesn't have any tattoo. And in his mind, he wants to get a tattoo when I'm ready to get mine. Like, we'll get one together. He wanted to be a doctor until he discovered that there was a lot of blood involved. And I was like, it technically does not, but he thinks there is. So, but that is a lot of responsibility, but it's also a lot of pride. It's great to see somebody that thinks I did a good job raising him. I mean... Yeah. And you, you have a good relationship with him. I have, I think I have a, a too good of a relationship with him. I always try to hold myself back from taking advantage of it. For example, if I call him right now and he's at work and I know it and I'm like, I'm stuck in Denver, I don't know what to do. He would just be like, I'm on my way. It doesn't matter what happens to his job. He tells his boss, like my sister needs me and that's it. Wow. Where does he live? Denver. He lives like 10 minutes away from us. So the whole family moved over. Yes. Oh, so well, I mean, sorry, I'm not really chronological. When oh, no, stories. you're fine. What year did your mom move over? My mom moved in 2003. And what brought her over? So there's a lot of political issues that goes on around the world and ours in particular affected my mom I don't really know a lot about it because it was hidden from us a lot but I know my mom and my dad were in some political party that had a polit- like had a, an agenda the president of our country has been president for the last 36 years As, is that like corruption based like he has maintained that power yes so it's not like whatever vote happens is not really a vote yep the guy is in his late 80s and (laughs) how do you rule a country when you're that sick and that old i don't know right right she was in some political issues and she had a brother that had been in colorado for years and so she sought asylum and that's how she got here I think we knew about it after all the documents were approved for her to move. So it was just one of those, I'm moving to the States kind of thing. And lots of questioning. Of course, you're a child in Africa, Cameroon. You don't get a lot of answers. You're not even brave enough to ask all the questions that you possibly have. So it's still cloudy or what happened. But I knew she sought asylum and was granted. And then when she got here, she sought it out for us. And so we joined her years later. No, I think she moved in 2001. We joined her in 2006, five years later. Mm. Um, So we got to join her. And it was so funny when my kid brother landed at the airport, the very young one, he held my leg really tight. And so when my mom, because she had to come into the airport, like the plane to grab us out, like there was all this, because we were minors, there were all this red tape that she had to go through to make sure. Was your dad with you or did he stay? No, we we traveled by ourselves. Our dad never moved. Oh, your dad's still in camera. Yes. Wow. So... We were kids in a plane, and when we stepped out of the plane, I mean, she came out and grabbed us. So we're running towards our mother, and my, my youngest brother had no idea who she was. No way, because um, he cause was were, two. Right. There, there were a bunch of women running towards us, so my aunties and my mom's best friends. Oh. So it was a bunch of women coming towards us. When we recognized we were running, he stopped. He didn't move. And I turned over, and I was like, Biasin, it's mom. And he literally had to come, and I was like, this is mom. And he stood there right in front of her, and like, she doesn't look like the pictures. I was like, yeah, those pictures are kind of old. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so that was the move. And then incorporating and learning the culture of America was very weird. Like the food. I personally loved ice cream. So ice cream was one of those things where a cool kid in school, like that guy that had a crush on you, would tell you and say, hey, I'm going to get you ice cream. And that was a thing. It was like so huge. To get here and my mom, my, I... I I love my mother so much for doing this. She took us to Walmart. She gave us a cart and she said, fill it. Wow. But what? I don't care. In like fill an it. American supermarket where there's yes. just way too many things. Yes. 
I went to the ice cream <laughs> aisle. <laughs> oh, daddy. Oh, Jesus. What flavor? Oh, I, I, I still don't remember what flavor. Mm, I know it was just flavor. so colorful. It was like the huge, I don't know, gallon containers, like the yeah. huge ones. Yeah. And it was in the middle. We moved in December, blizzard of 2016. Like the whole state almost closed one time because it was so cold. But we got ice cream. And because it was so cold and I would get brain freeze from eating it, I microwaved it. Because why? There was a microwave. And I could put it in this little nice machine smart. thing. That's smart. Right? And I just drank it I don't it think most, kid was, most kids would think that. I, I gained like 30 pounds in like <laughs> the first three months. It was, it was so nice. Apples. You know how many different apple kinds there were in Cameroon? One. It's like golden delicious. That was it. Yeah. So you go into a supermarket and how many different kinds of apples were there? Oh my there? God. You know? Yeah. And those strawberries, I've never had strawberries before. Blueberries. Oh. All the, it was so great. And then candy. Oh Jesus, Americans <laughs> and their candy. There's a lot of candy. It was around Christmas time. So the candy aisle? Oh yeah. It's just we had filled. Sneakers, that was the favorite one. M&Ms. So we'll go to Costco and buy like the biggest bag of M&Ms that you could get. Ugh. And I would snack on those while I study. And it would last me like two, three days. Mm, that's so, like your first version of Adderall right there. You know, it was, it was great. So great. And then what else? It, it was, I don't know. There's just so much to say. And Yeah, keep saying it. <laughs> Another thing that was really cool or weird for me, I had never really used a computer before. So when I moved here, I graduated high school when I was 16. So I moved here, first of all, I got misinformed about when I could start college. Somebody told me I was too young to start college, so I spent almost two years at home, not going to anywhere, just because- and how old were you? I was 16, uh, around, no, I was 17 when we moved, and I, I had graduated high school at 16. Could you have started? Yes, I had finished. I had my high school diploma, so ah. I could have. But I was misinformed, I spent a lot of time at home, but when I finally started, I walked into my class, first of all, and it was an English class, and the teacher looks at me and he's like, are you looking for your mom? The first thing I thought about was, what if I'm looking for my dad? But anyways, it's fine. I'm in your class. This is my schedule. And she's like, oh, you just look so small. I was like, thanks. And I get into this class. And of course, it's an English class. A lot of paper writing involved. And I had to type it. And then I discovered I had no idea of how to use a computer to type my homework. Really? Yeah. Did you um, have computers at all in Cameroon? We did. It wasn't very freely accessible to a bunch of people. And my dad had a computer in his office, uh, which was like a no-go area. You don't, you don't, you don't touch your dad's right. computer, Yeah, I never right? went in my dad's office. Right? So yeah. I never really got to use it. I never had an email address. My first test in this English class, we were supposed to write like some, there was a prompt and we were supposed to write like a paragraph. And that was when my teacher discovered that I couldn't type. Because, of course, when you give me my syllabus, I would type my things weeks before they were due because I knew it would take me so much time. But uh, then in real time, and we were given an hour. Like yes. Key at a time. <laughs> yeah. She was like, this is not going to work. And so I had to enroll in. She made a deal with the computer tech people, and I was supposed to meet them twice a week to practice how to type. Oh. I can't still type till today. I'm a little faster at picking, but I go by just fine. I had to learn that there was all this technology that I didn't know how to use. So you um, navigated med school with ADHD, dyslexia, and like just being behind with technology? Uh-huh. That's amazing. How did you do that? Did you just adapt to yourself? Did it feel like an issue? Like, Well, it had always been an issue. But that's what you come with is, yeah. you, you know, this, this is my backpack and this is my baggage and I carry it where I go. Yeah. And so I just know that while like there was this, there's this test in medical school, our second, they call it step exam. Our second step exam is a national exam. Those are like the scores that determine what kind of residency you're going to go into. So, for example, your step score if it's really high above the charts, you could easily become a neurosurgeon if you want. But if it's really low, your chances are lower of getting into like a neurosurgery program. Oh, so I didn't one know of that the t- right. 
One of the tests involved typing a patient note. You go into the room, you see a fake patient, it's well standardized, you come out, you have 15 minutes to type a full note. In the clinic, they always have a checkbox that you could literally check a bunch of your physical exams and all these things that are kind of standardized. And then you just have to type what the patient told you. But in this situation, I had to type all of it. So while my whole class was worrying about how do I practice how to do physical exams, how do I practice how to talk to a patient very well in a standardized setting, I was like, how do I learn how to type really fast? Mm. And if there was a part of this note that I cannot write, which part do I left? And the rest of it you felt confident about? The rest of it, it was like, I know how to talk to someone. I should be fine. (sighs) Physical exam, I have memory of it, but... I need to show a skill like that typing. I can type this thing. This yeah. was, that was my issue. That That's was my so issue was typing a note. Yeah. And so I spent a lot of time typing I, and I learned a strategy. If I was running out of time, which part of this note do I leave out that would cost me the least points? And that's how I ended up passing the exam was knowing that I had this weakness and I was going in kind of not at the same place with everyone else when it came to typing speed and just making sure I knocked all the other part out of the park and working on my typing. So you weren't, you weren't discouraged. You were like, I'm going to figure out, it seems like this has been a theme for you throughout, even putting the ice cream in the microwave. You're like, what's my strategy? How am I going to get the ice cream in my mouth? This is way too cold. Um, I think in general, I see, this is where my problem is. And what is the problem? Well, if I could find the problem, that's, I think my hardest thing in life is finding a problem. If you give me the problem, it's like, it's this, this is like the problem. It's like, oh, well, then all I can do is find a solution for it. Mm. Can you imagine not even knowing what the problem is? Can I imagine? Right? Can you imagine solving a problem without knowing that it even exists? No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing the problem for me is already winning the game. While I was in high school, I discovered that I fell in love, right? I loved someone and I did not even know was how it to tell. It wasn't. Oh. Of course it was. <laughs> oh, it was Kamya. Oh, what a twist. So I mean, like, I'm like, that, that was, I fell in love with someone and I couldn't tell them that I liked them. I was sitting right behind him, the whole class. We spent almost two years together and I couldn't say something like that. When my older self looks back, it's like, why? Why, why, like now, I never miss an opportunity to tell somebody. I, like we're literally driving a car and I see somebody with really cool dreads. I send my head out and I yell, I'm like, bro, I love your dreads. I cannot miss that opportunity to tell somebody something. Cause it's like, that's all you get is that one chance. Yeah. And so that's hope for me, knowing that this is what I have, that is, could be considered a handicap or a weakness or whatever word we use nowadays to call it. For me, it's just, I know what it is. I know, I am aware of it and I'm glad that I'm aware of it. And I go in having all that information with me and not being surprised by, I ran out of time. No, I actually investigated to make sure I have enough time with my typing speed to get where I want it to get, mm. so, yeah. I think that's really inspiring for a lot of people because I I think it's often very easy and myself included to see a problem and just focus on the problem right? instead of focusing on what are the solutions and strategies to get over that problem. Well, it's not always perfect all the time. This is one thing I always try to make sure I do is when I tell my story, sometimes you could hear it and be like, she's so strong. She's gone through all these things. I mean, you seem strong as hell, Queen. Well, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you yeah. very much. Um, it, it is hard. It is very hard. I didn't do it by myself. I cannot claim to have been here by myself. I've talked about my siblings. They have been great mentors through medical school. Very, very great people. You, you look at this person and it's like, there's no way I don't want to end up like this. Mm. Right. And then there's the mentors, the patients, the people that want you to do well. There's reasons for you to do it. So it's not just my strength. When I was weak, there were people that would cook me food. My mom would drive to my house with food. 
weeks at a time and be like this this is more food more food more food mm. like you can do that by yourself it's this community yeah. so for me it's like somebody did it for me the least i could do is do it to someone else mm. that's yeah, it just keeps sounding like I'm strong, but hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to be strong. You know, you've you've earned it. I feel like you've gone through a lot at this point. You've like overcome a lot of obstacles, and obviously with a lot of support. And right. I'm curious about your family because it seems like you come from a really smart family. Um. Well. You see, like you're asking me all these questions that keeps pointing to what's an opportunity for me to brag, but I don't know if it's natural for me to. So mm. let me take it as, yes, thank you. I have a smart <laughs> I should just take that. Well, your um, brother's a pharmacist. I'm yes. curious about uh, your parents. What did they do? My dad went to school to study as an architect, but he finished high school and then I, I don't know, some sort of training to become a teacher and then was a teacher for a little while and then a lot later in life went back to university like really later in life but he did a lot of building like our house he built a house for us and lots of work with his hands his dad was a carpenter and he just picked that trade up by watching his dad do it never really had formal training for it at all but his training was in architecture building houses and stuff like that he now works for the government as an infrastructure personnel linking the government to public schools so he works oh, on wow. like putting in computers if they need it putting a desk building a new classroom making sure they have the infrastructure that it needs to do their work which is often undervalued in schools yes but one of the most important aspects for a good yes. learning environment yes you can do work without the tools you, you need to do the work mm -hmm. and then my mom my mom actually trained to become a teacher never used a degree at all became a stay-at-home mother and that was all she did was be mom so now that she has all grown kids like the best thing you could do to my mom is like go over and sit and be like mom cook me a meal she's yeah. so glad she's like yes my domain um, that's how my mom is too. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like being a mother her whole adult life it, because she had my brother when she was 20 so being a mother that whole time and then now having kids that are like we got this it's like sorry mom but I mean, she did well, but in the U.S., she's a nurse's assistant. That's what my mom does. Oh, nice. We tried convincing her. Did you her. help her get into that field? No. Um, so she worked for Walmart for a while as a cashier, and then it ended up just being an issue of math. She was doing a lot of physical work and not getting compensated as well. And then discovered that with a, like training for a CNA license, it's like one month. You could go to school for one month and you get a license for it. Oh. And so she was like, I could do the same amount of work, physical work, but get paid a lot and get a, like it's a skill now. It's like a skill that has a certificate behind it and I would be a little more employable. And that's how she made that decision. Have benefits, I'm sure, too. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So we tried convincing her to go to nursing school. She took a few classes and was like, yeah, I'm good. And we're like, it's fine. Just stay home. At some point, we could take over and take care of you. And then my brother is a pharmacist. Then there's me. After me is my brother, Boris. He's the one that is making all of us proud, actually. Like, our degrees, yeah, they're, they're okay. But he's <laughs> the one with kids. He has Aww. twin boys. They're like a year and a half old now. And, and they're in Denver. Yes. They're like they're, they're five minutes away from my house. And every Saturday I see them. And they are the best thing that happens to our family. It's weird. With our degrees and everything, my brother, he didn't actually go to college. He, dropped, he was like, I'm not going to college. It's recently that he's planning on going back. But it's like, he makes us so proud because he has babies. <laughs> Um, I think Congo was telling me about them. They are. Is that the kids you were talking about playing with the other day? He was telling me all about that. They are the best things that have happened in my life. Like it's 
like watching two boys one looks exactly like their mom one looks exactly like their dad acts the ex- like they act like their respective parents that they look like <laughs> and they so cute. they do they, they act nothing like each other one is very sensitive like he does something and you're like no and he would cry he would feel so bad the other person would be arguing with you telling you how no no uh-huh. <laughs> no auntie no 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 this is my stuff uh, he, so but that is what my brother has done that all of us we look at and my mom is like yeah i have grandkids and that's from him whatever you do with your degree i don't know you know and then after him is greg he's the kid we teased a lot so the one before the last just because we thought he was the last for a long time we teased him so much i feel so bad i should be apologizing but he ended up using that and he literally does whatever he puts his mind to. He made captain of football team, got into the top choice for college, graduated college. What college? Mesa State, Grand Junction. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's a body, like, he did bodybuilding competition as a newbie and won overall third prize. Wow. He starved himself and worked so hard, spending hours at the gym while going to school. And now he's actually opening his own fitness company. And oh, wow. Yeah, and this is the person that we would tease all the time. We would tease him for being short. We would tease him for being light-skinned. We would tease him for anything you could think of. We would so tease him for. you should take credit for that championship because without... <laughs> you bullying him <laughs> he might not be lifting all those weights I think I should be apologizing <laughs> poor thing I mean because and then now there's nothing you could tell him that he's not strong enough he could do all of that and then the baby his problem is he's too smart for his own good so that's the genius of our family he literally is the smartest of all of us even in college he just started college he could still do the hour before exam study and get a 90 uh, a 105 percent which is i don't know how it's possible but it is that's what he does what's he going into he wants to do he wanted that was the one that wanted to be a doctor but now wants to do psychology he wants to get a phd in psychology and he wants to do that and then but then those are my siblings and then i'm married to this guy who you know a lot about this guy this guy this guy we're looking at right now. this one um handsome the the producer of the soul stories (laughs) (laughs) um but that's that's my foundation those are the people that look up to me while i look up to them yeah, and it's a bunch of really smart, hardworking. I don't think it's smart. My parents did this thing actually when we were younger. They would make a competition because we were all, we would do very well in school. There was no question about who's going to fail, who's going to pass. We all passed. And so they said during Christmas, you know how in America everybody gets a Christmas present. That was another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to get a Christmas present if you passed very well. Among a class of 100 kids, you, if you were in the top five, that's how you got your present. And so. Generally or in your family? My family. My okay, family okay. did that a lot. So there was like this competition that that has been set out for years that we already, like it's set in stone. So whenever somebody graduates, like my brother graduated with a, a, a farm D and I looked at him and I was like, well, I'm going to get an MD. So there's that. And I look at the younger ones and I was like, so the next thing you have to beat is an MD. So good luck. <laughs> but it's a, that, that's why it seems like we're very hardworking is because we actually had this competition from a very young age where you beat the last person that did whatever. So if you were in elementary two and you would look at that person's grade and know that that's your quota, you have to just beat that. And that, that was how we worked. Mm. Yep. It, it seems like your family is very tight knit, very supportive. You talk about your mom coming from very traditional gender roles. Was there ever a time where it was difficult for you being a woman in this family? Oh my God. Did you have to like claw your way out a little bit? I don't think it's a, it has ever been a not difficult situation to be in. Really? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. My mother expected a lot of female gender stuff from me. She's always wanted me to 
get married and have a family. So by the time I was turning 22 and I was talking about college and talking about medical school, residency and all these other things. And I told my mother and she was she was sad in a, like, you're not going to get married. Why? Because most men don't want very strong women. Like, l- allow your, your husband to be the doctor. Be a nurse. That's, that's fine. You could mm. be a nurse. And I looked at my mom. I was like, no, I'm going to be a doctor. And if my husband is a doctor too, fine. If he's not, I will be a good spouse to him. Because if he was a doctor, I would hope he would be a good spouse to me. And she always wanted me to clean. I would be mad at my mom and I would go into my room and I could mess it up and not clean it and that's enough punishment for her. And she would get some... And that was me. That was the way to get under that her was, skin. Yeah, I would not clean <laughs> up or anything and my mom would be raging mad. Like, <laughs> oh, clean your room. And it's like, nope. That would get to her. And when I clean it, it's like, we're okay, mom. We're cool. She always expected me to make up dresses, uh, colors, like really shiny. Um expensive things and I'm more of the if it's clean hand it over that's it that's, right. that's the requirement it doesn't even have right. to be matching like, just, the colors don't even I just have to be match. warm and yes. walk out of the house yes if it's clean just hand if it passes the sniff test when you go to medical school where you have to use the sniff test and be like if it passes the sniff test we're good uh. um, and so for me now this is another thing that I'm very into is this gender role and gender bias. I believe in being a strong woman. That doesn't mean that I'm heartless. I still have to be very loving to my husband. I still have to be very loving to all the people that I meet. Um, I don't have to not cook at all just because I'm trying to prove a point that I'm a strong woman. Those were the things that I was trying to talk to my mom about and be like, the fact that I'm doing medicine, which for our culture is not a very female-heavy career, doesn't mean I'll end up being a bad mother or a bad wife or a bad sister or a bad daughter. I, I could still do both. What gave you that sense of... I don't know what the word is, but like, I guess self-assurance Um, in like, you know, you have this, you have this outside force in a way, say it's your mom, but really your mom's just enacting a, a cultural standard. Right. And what gave you the strength to like move through that? So I hate being uncomfortable. Mm. Comfort is very important to me. And I had to find comfort in being who I was. That was my first rebellion ever in life was being allowed to do what I want when I wanted it. It's not like disrespecting your parent and doing what you want, but it was this energy of, I don't think I need to be here right now. So I want to be in a place where I hope you understand that it's not against you or anything, but this is who I am. And I, I hung out around girls well, that, who were very typical, like my mother. And I guess I didn't have good examples. They were bullies. They, they, were, they were not nice girls. I, I didn't like many like of the, the girls. Like the quote-unquote mean girls? Yes. So at a very young age, I discovered that the girls I was supposed to be around were not people that I wanted to be around. Um, They would look at my dress if my dress wasn't up to par or talk about it. My hair, just because I didn't want to do it a particular way. I didn't do it in the style that was in fashion and all these other things. I felt so judged by them and very early on I was like I don't want to be around people that make me feel so bad and they would tease me because I don't bring a doll to school I would bring a a football instead like think it just makes mathematical sense why would you buy a doll that one person in a house can play with versus buying a ball where everybody can play with so I was mostly exposed to male things just because I have Brothers. brothers and so when they would judge me so harshly and I would go towards the guys and they were a little more accepting I found out that I was I tried staying away from girls and that meant I got more exposure to boys and identified with them more and I never rejected that I was a girl I just rejected the view of what a typical girl was yeah. um, 
and then as you grow older and you start getting judged and you start hearing radio programs, TV programs, and you start asking yourself questions, you start having names for this, like gender bias, gender role, and all these other things. And then as that outside information comes in to confirm what you have inside and you have a name for it, and then you start advocating for something that it's like, now there's a name for this thing, so I could talk about it. But. Yeah, you were almost... Well, it, it sounds like you kind of, from the get-go, you were you were different than the girls that you were supposed to be. Oh, yeah. And you just had to kind of learn that about yourself. Yes. And you were pushed away from that type of person. Yes. My dad was really good at this. There was a particular Christmas that he made our Christmas clothes. And when he came home with mine, it was a skirt. And all my brothers had pants. And I told him I wanted pants. And he was like, but we're out of material. And if we have to go alter it into pants, we have to get more material for it. Like to make the pants. Yes, because he, he took it to a tailor. He bought material, like a fabric, and took it to the tailor to make the clothes. But then when he made mine, he made a skirt. And so to get more, they needed more of the fabric to make it longer so it could be an actual pant and all these other things and he didn't have the fabric and he was like the top could be another piece of fabric that is not even close to what you're wearing but because your shirt is longer it could cover it and nobody would ever know and I was like fine thank you so much dad yes I'll take that and when he allowed me do that as a young kid so explain this again okay so let me get Sorry. the picture. He bought fabric. Um, right. It was like this yellow, goldish yellow looking fabric for all five of us. So we take it to the tailor and they measure us and they make a shirt and a pants for my brothers. Out of the same fabric. Yes. Okay. We all were wearing the same fabric. That's that's a common thing that we do is you go buy a fabric and your whole family makes something out of it. And everybody has clothes from that fabric. And so did the clothes look pretty similar to each other? Yes, they were exactly the same for my brothers. All of it was... You're like, a, like a family band. Yes, like we do that tra- a lot, actually, yeah. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, I have a bunch of clothes that me and Kamga have of the same fabric that we wear on really? Sundays to church, yeah. Is that common in Cameroon? Very, very common. And in even other African countries. Okay, they call it matching clothes. You just, yeah, from the same fabric. That's so funny. In America, it couldn't be more opposite, you know? You Right? Yeah. Uh, so when my brothers had just made, it looked that like it was cool with the pants. And I wanted pants. I didn't want yeah. a skirt. And I felt so out of place with the skirt. And I felt uncomfortable. I would not be really free to run around. It's a skirt. It's very restricting. And my dad allowed me to have pants. And... I think that was like the freedom key that he gave me because it would have been easy for him to say, it's already made. You can't go back to the tailor and have him switch it out. Like, it's just done. Sweetie, I'm sorry. He could have stopped there. But he was like, we could, you could make it longer. The waistband, make it in another fabric and your shirt could cover it. And I was like, I would take that. And so I discovered that there's not always one solution to every problem. There's no, never think about one solution to all your problems. There's so many different solutions. Just look for the one that pleases whosoever is involved and they're happy with the results, whatever happens. So my external force to be this girl that was different was just, it was just too much work living and trying to fit in a situation where I couldn't fit. Instead, I found people that would allow me fit in just fine. So most of my friends were guys and they were okay with me being the only girl that played soccer or the only girl that did all these guy things and they were fine with it. As long as they were fine with it and I was fine with it, I don't think I needed the girls and to fit in, to change myself to fit in with the girls when I had already accepting boys of who I was. So, Wow. Yeah, Yeah, that's a super cool story. I actually relate to it in the opposite end. I grew up with two older sisters Uh and they would always play Barbies growing up. And I always wanted to play Barbies with them. Yeah. And they were my older sisters. So I looked up to them and I remember them dressing me in like a dress Yes, when I was a kid. And my, my dad is like almost played professional American football. And he's like a very accepting, loving guy, but he's also very masculine. Right. 
But because I had these older sisters, I think I was generally like more sensitive and the guys I was supposed to be like these like jock guys, whatever, like just it it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And it like pushed me in another end. Right. Whenever we like whenever Kamga and I talk about raising a family and being a parent and what that looks like. Whenever he's like, I want a girl, or I say I want a boy, and whatever else, one thing I always try to make sure I say is, I want a happy, healthy kid that I could support in whatever they want to do. Can you imagine being a child and having to navigate the external world? And Which then, is already difficult. Right? And then coming home and needing that support and letting your mom be telling you, no, this is what boys do. This is what girls do. No, this is not what boys or girls do. This is what I do. And This is what I like. Right. This is what I like. And it should be fine. I understand that not everybody is going to like my kid or not everybody likes me right now. Finding the people that do, that's fine. Like, you don't need to have 100%. Have the 5% that you are so confident with. The 5% that allows you to be the best you possible. Mm. And that's fine. Like, you don't need a million followers on Facebook. (laughs) Maybe you have five. And those five followers are like so into you that no matter what you say no matter what you do they know you so well that if your credibility ever comes into question they have your back that's who I actually spent a lot of time trying to figure out it's like do I need the numbers or do I need the quality and I discovered very early on that I just need a few people that really really liked me and I didn't have to switch who I was like walking into any situation and having to downplay who I was or upplay who I was or changing it. It was like too much work. Too much work. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) I did it for so long. And as I like settled into myself, you know, feels so much better. Right. So yeah. Wow. So what, uh, what does the future hold? The future for me, um, what are your hopes and dreams? My hopes and dreams, have actually always been the same. I want to be the best wife possible, best mother possible, and best doctor possible. That's it. Just continue to grow. Yeah. Lots of introspection and lots of consideration for others and lots of learning and failing. Our profession is such a perfectionist kind of profession that people don't allow you to accept that you failed in something. And so I want to learn how to fail and not be perfect, but push your comfort zone. Yeah. But in that process, still be learning and in that process, still be appreciative of what I have. And my future goals are to have a hospital and a school in Cameroon, which is very grandiose, but hopefully. So you want to go back? At some point, yes. Cool. I want to be in both. I, I don't think it would be fair to America to just come and steal all their resources and take it away. <laughs> take and them. Take all of our resources. We I, don't I, don't, I don't think it's fair. Um, and I also don't think it's also fair and encouraging to Cameroonians if all we do is leave, if all the best ones leave and never come back to share what they've gotten. Right. So, that's the tricky part about yeah. immigration. Yeah. So I still owe both places. Not because I'm doing it for them, but I'm doing it for me. I wasn't raised by one culture, mm. and I owe both cultures for this. So finding a way to spread what I've learned and what I have with both cultures. I also want to be very involved in training women in whatever it is that they need training in. Basically training them to know that they're good enough to do whatever that is. Mm. Not saying every woman should be a doctor, but whatever you decide to do, you should get some support and guidance in that. So if finding, you want to do it, do it. Right. Knowing that you too can do it. Mm. So. Well, I, I've, I've just been blessed to meet both of you. You both are just inspiring, amazing people. And it makes me sad that I met you right before you're about to leave. I know. I, I am like so this. sorry. I, I keep telling him that, that I am... I'm a, I'm not a nice person. By the time he's <laughs> by the time he's settling in and making these relationships, I have to offroot it. I have to be the one that says we're moving. I oh, it if feels you go bad. to Ohio, I'll visit you. That's where my family's at. Just Ohio, so you won't visit us if we go to Pittsburgh. 
I've, I've never been to Pittsburgh. There you go. It's, <laughs> no, it's really pretty. Yeah. I hear it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I, I want to see the rivers. People yes. talk amazing things mm-hmm. about the rivers in the city. It's the end of the day and my medication kind of worn out. So I'm hoping I wasn't all over the place when I told the story, but... Oh, no. You were so... I was? I hope oh, so. You were, yeah, this was this was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, you're not an artist on Facebook or Instagram like some of my other people that get on here, but uh, where can people find you? Can, how oh. can they connect with you? Oh, um, they can they can find me through you. You know where I am. Yeah, um, I'll they can find, find Queenie through, for you, right? wherever she ends up in this if country. If you need me, Danny would find me. <laughs> and of course, Come Guys right there. Like if you can get through Come Guys on Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, WhatsApp. Um, what is the other ones? They're Medium. a bunch of them. Medium. Mediums. He lives and dies by medium. Yep. Um, he does a lot of nice writing that I'm proud of. If you get to him, you get to me. So, yeah. Nice. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Soul Stories podcast. Having these conversations is super important to me as a person and the backbone behind why we do everything at Soul Stories. I would be extremely grateful if you were to leave a review at iTunes and share this episode with someone you care about. It helps us build the movement. Until next time, this is Danny signing off.